Hey everyone, and welcome back to another week here on the Foundry Church Podcast. We upload a new message every week, so if you want to be notified every time a new one is posted, make sure to subscribe. You can also keep up with us throughout the week by liking our Facebook page. With all that said, here's the next part in our series called Expecting. So we're in week three of our Christmas series, Expecting, understanding that um, there is this sense of expectation that had been building in the people of Israel, waiting for their Messiah. There are four messianic promises within Isaiah 9 that point us to the identity, the characteristics, and the person of this Messiah. And today we lean into Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Now, I know for some of you, when you think about everlasting, you may think, like, what, what is everlasting? If maybe you're a kid in church, you're like, I know, every week when Eric starts talking, it feels like it's going to be everlasting. I don't take it personally. I remember being young and thinking, like, please, sir, get to that point where you say, this is my last point. And you're like, thank you, Lord. Like, I, I get it. Um, maybe if you're a Broncos or a Lions fan, this has been an everlasting season of torment. That seems unending and unyielding, and right when you think, well, at least we'll get a good draft pick, they start winning. And you think, man, this is never going to end, right? There's these everlasting things, but here's what I want to do today. I want to um, maybe lean in and, and deal with some of the anxieties that were felt by the disciples in Jesus' life and, and kind of wrestle in the tension of what they were expecting and who Christ revealed himself to be. I remember um, as a little boy, we'd go on road trips. As my dad came from the Central Valley of California, my mom was raised in western Colorado, so we would often travel between states for vacations. And um, there was nothing like, if you kids are ever like, man, it's so hard getting to Florida, it's so boring in the car, join me in the 1980s when there was a window. And that's all we looked at. Anybody else like, oh, all day, preach, right? Like I see kids like, like you drive and there's, there's movie theaters in your cars now. Like literally, I had Lincoln. And it was horrifying, right? But you'd be driving, and I, I love this. Like you'd be driving along and you get kind of tired and you just kind of nod off. And um, you wake up and you're usually laying on someone who's like, get off me, you know? And you wake up and you're like, oh. And you realize like, oh my goodness, we're like 100 miles down the road, which was a moral victory too. But you, you look up, and it wasn't like your last thought going to sleep was like, oh, I hope my dad doesn't get lost. I remember my dad would drive us out there, and my dad always seemed to know the way. He, know, he knew how to get us from here to there. And when I would wake up from my awesome car nap, I would wake up and be like, Dad, where are we? And he knew right where we were. He knew what was coming up. He's like, yeah, in about 40 miles, we'll get to Mesquite, Nevada. We're coming through that northern corner of Arizona, da 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 And he would, he would just know. He would be in the middle of nowhere, the giant, vast desert, the brown desert of the, um, of the southwest. And he would be like, yeah, we're about this far from the place. And lo and behold, he was right. He just seemed to know the way. He took care of me the whole way. He provided, he protected, he made it safe. It's never like we got to Denny's and he's like, Eric, breakfast's on you this morning. Oh, I'll have to pay with shoelaces, right? That's all I had. It was one of those things where he knew the way and he provided, he protected, and he made it, well, he made the journey safe. He knew how to get us there. He knew the way. 
In today's uh, text, we're going to be in John chapter 14. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. And uh, in John chapter 14, Jesus has been telling his disciples that he is going to go away. He's going to go away, and he's going to prepare a place for them. Now, there is a lot of Hebrew bride and groom language in this that is really significant. We don't have time to unpack it today. It's like a red herring, but I want to tell you it's in there, and it's really, really cool what Jesus was saying to the disciples. But it created in them an anxiety where we see Thomas is the first one to speak out. John chapter 14 verses 5 to 10. You can look in your Bibles or follow along on the screen. Thomas said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Do you feel that, like, can you see how Thomas is like, whoa, you can't leave yet. We don't know the way. How will we know? Jesus answered, and this is probably, I mean, you've heard me say this at least a hundred times a year. I love this scripture. Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough. Like, don't you want Jesus to be like, Philip, reread verse 7. <laughs> He's like, you know, if, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Will you show us? I mean, there has to be moments where Jesus had to be so patient, right? Show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say, I don't speak to you on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. I love, I love what Jesus is revealing inside this passage. And it really speaks back to this idea of what we heard in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So we find this moment of Everlasting Father, where Jesus is saying, like he said to his disciples, look, guys, if you want to know who the Father is, look at me. Look at me and understand who I am, because if you understand me, you understand the Father. Jesus is the fullest and best reflection of who our Heavenly Father is. God is too high up, almighty, powerful, and infinite for our minds to, to take. If you and I got a glimpse of God, I am convinced we would just kind of pop. We wouldn't be able to take it. Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He fell over as though dead. And, the, and when he fell over, he says, woe, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. How can I see that? I am a sinful person. So when we look at this, we understand that it's the goodness of God that he realized our lives, our brain can't contain who God is. So he gave us the best reflection in his son incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know who the Father is, you look to Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, there's a couple of Easter eggs hidden into it. Has anybody ever seen a movie that has like an Easter egg in it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so like Stan Lee, is that the right name of the Marvel guy? Um, 
I had to look to my kids. I'm like, is that the fella? He started the Marvel Universe, right? And Stan Lee would Easter egg himself into every movie. He'd be like the guy being a waiter at a restaurant or a delivery guy or something. He would work himself into the movie as a little Easter egg, and all the Marvel fans would look to find it. There's Easter eggs kind of hidden in it. In Isaiah 9, there is a prophetic Easter egg on the identity and the person of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that is hidden into Isaiah chapter 9. We saw it the first week we talked about it when we said, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And in John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is at the table with his disciples on the Last Supper, we hear Jesus talk about the Spirit of God, the Advocate, the Counselor. But in, quite literally in the Greek, it's the paraclete is the word that is used. Jesus uses the term paraclete for God, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And what it quite literally means is this, the Spirit of Christ. So when Isaiah, 700 years before Christ would come, says that we will call him Wonderful Counselor, hidden in that name is this something we're about to learn When Jesus comes, we're going to learn that the wonderful counselor is part of the triune identity of God. The Holy Spirit would be revealed in Christ. And the Holy Spirit would do one thing primarily. He would teach, reveal, well, it's three things, teach, reveal, and glorify Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. So in Isaiah 9, when he says, and he will be called wonderful counselor, it is a hidden promise that the Jewish people could have never fathomed that it would mean that we would get to literally meet and encounter the Spirit of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the same measure, we see Everlasting Father is a title that is given to the Messiah. And it's a, it's a title that in being given to, the, to us, we understand there's something of this. Now, first, I would like to say Jesus has been called the author of salvation. I think it might, might even be better said that Jesus is the father of our redemption. He is the father of our salvation. Just like Adam is the father of our sinful nature, he sinned against God and brought sin into the world. So Jesus is the father of our redemption that breaks the chains of that sinful nature and sets us free. So Jesus is the father of our salvation. But there's this this echoing triune mystery that, that we are a triune faith, a God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, all co-equal, all co-eternal, and we see this name, Everlasting Father, given. And in the person of Jesus Christ, just as we saw in John 14, Jesus is saying, if you want to see the Father, look at me. If you want to understand that your heavenly father, look at me. Look at who I am. And who, what was he doing? He's eating with prostitutes and he's hanging out with tax collectors. And he's being the most loving representation of hope we've ever seen. And it's the heart of God the Father. It's the heart of our Father. The Father of our salvation is Jesus Christ, but he's also the greatest and single best reflection of who our heavenly father is. Our Father in heaven who loves us. So just like Abraham was, you know, we remember the song, Father Abraham, many sons. Remember this? We all get our little right arm going, many sons had Father Abraham. Remember that? Hopefully, thank you, Trent. I appreciate that. One person knows that song. We should just get up here and do it together. Just march it out. Um, All right. You have Father Abraham. He's the father of the nation of Israel. 
right? We have George Washington in America. He's the father of our nation. We have this understanding. Jesus Christ is the father of this faith. He, he kind of, he sired it into existence by his own shed blood. But he gives us the perfect understanding of who our heavenly father is. He shows us in himself what we can expect when we come face to face with our father God. Jesus says, I and the father are one. If you know me, you know him. Jesus also said that we see the Father when we look at the Son. So we can have confidence in this, but what I would like to do today is take a minute and unpack this phrase, everlasting Father, by separating the two words, because there's actually two very different words being used together to define who Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will be. So let's look at everlasting. In the Hebrew, if you did your devotions this week, you would know that it means perpetuity. It means ongoing. It means without end. Always was, always will be. We know this to be true. We know this to be true. In the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and by Him all things were made. Right? Nothing that is was made apart from him. So it's saying in the beginning, before time and space, there was the word, and the word was Jesus Christ. That's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior. And in Revelation eleven, fifteen, it says that at the end of all things, when all things kind of when when God puts a bow on time and calls it to a finish, what will be left is the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is at the beginning, and he is at the end. And Jesus Christ makes some statements about himself in the book of Revelation when he spoke to John, the revelator, the apostle John. When he spoke to John in Revelation, he said this, I am the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. I am the one who was, who is, and is to come. Like that is a theological protein shake for the Christian, and that can thicken you up in a hurry. Because if you understand that, this is what Jesus is saying. I am. That harkens back to Exodus. When Moses is talking to God before the covenant's even established with the people, and he's talk, Moses is talking, and God sends him to Pharaoh, and he says, who should, I tell? who should I tell Pharaoh when Pharaoh says, who sent you? Who do I tell him? And God says, tell him, I am that I am. That is God's name. It's the high, holy name of God. It is sacred. It is honored in rabbinic tradition and Jewish tradition. If you write that name, you never write the whole thing out, and you throw away the quill. It's sacred. And it, and it conveys this sense of like eternal, majestic, I am, right? The hearkening back to Yahweh, this, this amazing big name. And what it says is this everlasting God is almighty. Anything that's everlasting has to stand against all the opposing forces, time, decay, and just the reality of this world. And Jesus is saying he is everlasting, God declares him as everlasting, unbroken, undefeated. He is the once and for all champion of our souls in perpetuity for all eternity. Was, is, is to come, Jesus. Amen. Right? We can feel that. That's a big name. It hits you like a tidal wave. Everlasting. How do you break that? You don't. It's everlasting. It's eternal. But... 
There's this other name, Father. There's this other name that is given to it. And one of the realities that we have to do is we have to understand how God reveals himself in both the Old and the New Testament. And God revealed himself as the great I am. And Jesus gave us a glimpse into the heart of God. Jesus gives us a glimpse into the character and the nature of God. Yes, God is holy. He is high and lifted up. He is infinitely wonderful, powerful, and majestic. But he also ties his, himself to the term father. Now, that can sound a little bit um, formal. Like, if my kids are like, well, hello, father. I'm like, what did you do? Like, if they ever called me father, I'd be weirded out, right? Because that would be strange. But there's a name given to God, and the Apostle Paul uses it in Galatians 4, 6. He says this, by your adoption into the family of God, you can cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. In Romans 8, 15, Paul, the Apostle, once again says, you know, because of your adoption, because of your being brought into the family of God, you are co-heirs to the promise, you may call out to him, Abba, Father. And you may think like, okay, why is that a big deal? Paul was the most studious of Jews, He knew the law inside and out. He understood the rules with the name of God. You don't refer to God flippantly in Paul's culture. How dare Paul say that unless he got his authority to do so from another source, which we know in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, where Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's falling on his face, and he says this literally, Dad, please, please, if there's any other way, for redemption to work, can this cup be taken from me? Don't ever miss the language of Jesus in this. Dad, please, Abba, Abba. Being a dad is the second greatest thrill of my life. Being a husband to Erica has been the best. Sorry, kids. Um, You're going to move out and leave, but she's number one. Um, But uh, being a dad is awesome, and one of the, the heartaches I have is that I come home and sometimes they're not there. They're at practice or doing different things. Sometimes they see me like, hey, and they just keep going. But I'll never forget the days of coming home to a chorus of daddy. And the sound of like little kids playing with stuff and just da, da, da. Because it's that bouncy, wonderful sound that kids with their little mouths learning to speak can say, da, 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 abba. Abba, do you hear the rhythm to it? Do you hear the intimacy? Do you get a grip on what Jesus gave Paul to use as a name? No longer this high, lifted up, only that. Yes, it's that, but it's also Abba. It's also this sticky, tender, sweet, connective, loving language that invites you to call out the kind of words that only little ones make, ones who have a limited understanding and are growing and maturing in their language, and they just say, da, 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 da. It's the best they can do, but you know who they're talking about. You know who they're talking about when they look and they say, da, da, And you're like, oh, yes, I'll pick you up. I love that. I love and I miss that. It's one of the great realities of Scripture is that Jesus gave us a different view from God, the same God but a different angle, and says he is tender, he is loving. It reminds me so much of my two granddads, my Grandpa Folkers and my Granddad Cox, two very like almost polar opposite men. My granddad Cox wore a suit every day to work. He polished his shoes in the morning. He was clean shaven, just that was him. 
He had this awesome hair. I'm praying like when I go silver fox like granddad, I just, oh, it's so, it was so good. And like I loved it. And here's the thing. He was an imposing figure. Everybody seemed to know Kenny Cox, right? He was this big kind of imposing guy. But I knew him differently. I can still um, smell him, his aftershave. I can still feel. Like, I know him. I know the sound of his voice because I didn't see him just as a businessman. I climbed up on his lap in the morning while he shined his shoes. I learned what Kiwi shoe shine was for my granddad, and he would take my tennis shoes sometimes and, and shine them, and it didn't work. But it was awesome. And I would sit and rub his cheek because he was unshaven in the morning. And sometimes he'd give me a whisk, whisker burn. We would talk, and it was my time where he wasn't somebody else. He was kind of like Abba. He was grandpa. He was granddaddy. And we were super tight. And my grandpa Folker's in much the same way. Like, I can still smell his. He was an Old Spice guy. Yeah. Um, he wore Old Spice, and he shaved before he came out in the morning. And he wore this big brown robe, and he'd read the Fresno Bee, and I would climb up under it. And I would flip for the comics, and I would play with his mustache. Because my other granddad was clean shaven, so that, that little broom up top was awesome to me. And um, he was bald, so I would rub his head. Like, you think about this. It sounds strange. But if I went and sat on Justin's lap in the office and rubbed his head, we would have a legal issue. There's intimacy there, right? Abba, Abba, close, connected, loved, known, familiar, provider, protector, everlasting, almighty Abba. Don't ever misunderstand that what Jesus gave us in our redemption is a connection to someone who literally wants you close. Now, I know for some of us, Father is a broken image. There was abuse, there was harm, and things done to some of you. And for that, I am sorry, that is a broken image. But the heart of God, your Father, is not a broken image. It is one of love and tenderness that says, climb up and be close to me. Know me, because I know you. And one of the heartaches I have in, in putting this teaching as I worked my way through it and have kind of figured it out in my own head is that I, my granddad's never, my grandpa and granddad never quit welcoming me to their lap. I quit coming. And it like eats at me. I quit coming. I quit climbing up because I thought I was too big. I quit drawing close because I thought, well, do, do you still do that? I don't know. Maybe it would have been weird, but I'll tell you this. If granddad or grandpa were here, I'd break their leg. I'd sit right down. I love those men, and I miss those men, and they are a good picture for who God is. Come, all you who are weary, I'll give you rest. That place of tenderness, Abba, Abba. When Jesus gives us that image, we can understand how God responds when we cry out, Dad, Dad, help us, right? You as parents out there, you know when your kid calls and says, hey, Dad, and you're like, what happened, right? I always take phone calls from my kids in the day, even if I'm in a meeting, because I wonder what's going on. Hey, what's up? And if they say, you know, what's up, Pew? I'm like, oh, what's going on, dude? I'm in a meeting. Can I call you back? But if they're like, Dad? Oh, yeah, what's going on? If Bella's like, Daddy, I'm like, I will burn the town down. What happened? <laughs> right? I, have, I will go to, I told her last week, she is worth starting a vibrant prison ministry over. Boys, beware. Right? 
right? When she calls out daddy, all my radar goes off in the best way possible. Provider, protector, we have an everlasting Abba who hears your tone. He hears your need. He knows where you are longing for him. Everlasting Father, mighty Abba. When we hold those in tension, we have this moment where we can realize that the Lord Jesus Christ as he was promised to be our everlasting father, isn't limited like my dad was. My dad could get me to California. He knew the way, but the difference is not only does Jesus know the way, Jesus is the way. If you want to know the father, Jesus is the way. If you want to know Abba, Jesus is the way. He's the only way to the father. There is no separation between Jesus and the father. He has sealed For you and for me, an eternal covenant through the grace and mercy of God that we would not be apart from him. He is almighty, but he is Abba. He is the everlasting father, and Jesus Christ has sealed for us this relationship. And the relationship literally declares to you and to me one central truth, that the church should never forget. And I want this this to kind of wash over you, this thought. God considered eternity without you too much to bear, so he gave everything to have you. How much are you loved by your everlasting, eternal, never-ending dad, your heavenly father who loves you? So this is what it means to me. Since Eternity was too much to be apart from us. God isn't someday. We have an everlasting father now, not a someday father. Not a father that we get to someday. We actually, because of Jesus Christ, have full access to our heavenly father presently. And we as the church commit the sin of indifference, of ignoring the depth and opportunity, we, the depth of relationship and opportunity to walk with the Father of eternity, the very God of all things, we neglect that for everything but him. We chase after everything else. So today I want to invite you to trust him. Trust Abba today, regardless of the image of father you have from your earthly father. Regardless if you were ever taken up in an embrace or held closely, hold on today and trust today that you have a heavenly father who wants you close. A heavenly father who wants you to know his, literally his scent when the word of God comes flying off the pages of scripture. Why do we put you in devotions every week and say three devotions with scripture readings and two separate scripture readings? Because you're learning the language that God speaks. And you may think, why why do we need to do that? I don't know, but it's pretty cute when kids are like, ba, da, 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 da. They're playing, and they may not always understand what they're saying, right? Like, I have seen my kids, like, playing with a bear and, like, a tiger, and they're playing, and they'll hold one up and be like, da-da, aw. And it's usually the huskier bear, which is hurtful because I don't eat that many berries. And, um, and like, you know, they, they look at it, and, like, when they're little, you're like, Okay, you know, it's a little hurtful, but you get over it. But they're learning their language. It's not like I hold it, take it, and I go, no, bear, boo, bad child, whack. No, that's not what you do. You're like, he called it dad. That's weird. You know, and like you just kind of giggle and you move on. There is a sweetness to them learning the language, 
to learning the intimate move and, and feel. Now, if we drove through the woods and saw a bear and Josh was like, Dada! Like, man, you're a senior. You need to stop that. It's weird. It hurts my feelings that you call me that, right? I know they have short legs and long torsos, but give a brother a break. Right? Like, I would, I bet that was weird. So what does it say? It says when we get into Scripture and we spend time with Abba, we learn the language he speaks. We understand the meaning of a glance in Scripture. When the Spirit of God moves in a passage and pulls it, like, all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's always been there. And it speaks deeply into your life. It's present today. Jesus said, I am the one who was past tense, you've never been alone, who is present tense, don't neglect him now, and will be, don't worry, I'll always be with you. He is the one eternal who is with us. Make the most of that relationship. Hard times, good times, lean on him. We're not just going to the heavenly father in the end, we're in relationship with him now. Jesus is the way, and we can maximize that relationship for the glory and influence of Christ in this world if we'll walk with our Heavenly Father. We have Jesus. He gave us access to the High King of Heaven, right? He is the one, the Heavenly Father. He's given it to us. So I want to invite you, expect it today. Quit living in the dreams of tomorrow and grab it today. Go out and spend time with God Grab those devotions on your way out. Don't neglect to get your nose in Scripture. Don't neglect to get your life in service for the kingdom. Don't neglect to gather, to sing, to be part of the family of God in conversation, in action, in deed, and in word. Don't neglect. Expect something more. Jesus didn't die so we could live kind of an in-between life between this world and the next. No, he came to give us life and life to the full. I challenge you. Church, to expect him, to look for him, and to get close. And it may seem strange to to get close. You know, you may be like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't spent time. I haven't poured my heart out to God. But but I'm going to do that. I'm going to get close. There's certain rhythms that a dad or a mom knows of their kids. And I can tell you this, there is a way, like my son, like I'll use Josh, he'd come up and he'd be like, what's up? And he calls me Peeler and he comes up and he's like, what's up Peeler? And we bump knuckles and then he hooks me under my arm and he starts wrestling me. It's like having a baby grizzly all the time in my life. And here's the problem, it's starting to hurt. He hurts me, he's getting too strong, but I will bite if I have to. I'll kick like a mule, I will win. Um, but like he starts doing stuff and I'll say to him, I, I can't wrestle right here, we're in the mall. We're on, like, every week, isn't it? You come up, you're like, hey, Dad, good job. I'm like, thanks. And all of a sudden, he's like, dude, we're standing in front of church. Stop. He just starts to wrestle. I'm his dad. Of course that's what he's going to do. How good would it be if we could get in our heads that he just wants us to come up and get close? That there is a playful, loving, desperately, like, deep connection between father and his children. Go expect great things in your walk with a God who is everlasting. Daddy. Daddy. Abba. The one we can depend on. The one we can turn to. The one who understands when we cry out from a place of need or a place of joy. Go and expect today the greatness of a walk with your heavenly Father. Pray with me.
Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gift of Abba. That we don't have to sit back and, um, and just address you formally as you, as you deserve. You are the high king. You are, you are God Almighty, and we confess that. But you're also the one who invited us to come, to come to you and cry, Dad, and be close and have an intimate connection where we know one another. It is a gift to know and to be known. So today we ask, God, that you would give us a hunger that isn't an exterior religion, but it's an internal fire. Because Jesus, you said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus, we want a change that happens deep inside of us, that will change the way we speak, that will change the language of our heart, so that we would be people who are deeply dependent on you and you only people who are in love with you and love spending time with just you and out of the abundance of our heart would pour forth the glory of the gospel that we would be people who out of our hearts comes forth the very words of life and blesses the world around us to know that beautiful voice of a child calling dad, dada. May that be true instead of us. May it be said of us today that we are people who understand, that we are children who are blessed with such a father as you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we talk together today about fathers, I want to just take a moment and invite you. If you've had a broken image of a father and it has been hurtful, abusive, or wronged you in some way, I want to reiterate that is not the heart of your heavenly father. And I invite you to take the risk of trusting him. He has proven his love for you. If you've been given a good, heaven, a good earthly father and you have that good example, praise God for the opportunity you have to know what a good dad is, to know what it's like to be loved, protected, and cared for. And I invite you to run with confidence towards the one who has redeemed you towards the one who has called you back to himself, towards the one who didn't see sending his son to die on the cross as too much to pay in order that we might be his again, that we might have him in relationship with us. Make no mistake that in the end, the work of Christ was to reconcile you and me back to our heavenly father so that we could be known and know him. I invite you, take the time this week to know him, be in relationship with him, get close with the one who loves you and has called you according to his purposes for the glory of Jesus Christ. As you go about that, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, my friends, I invite you to take off and pursue the one who has pursued you. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're looking for a way to prepare yourself for next week's, you can visit us at foundrychurch.net and find our weekly devotions. Being in God's word every day is part of what we call our weekly rhythm here at the Foundry. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next week.